Welcome in. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on on this uh, on this Wednesday. Ben Kenny producing the program. I'm Bill Michaels, and uh, we're we're just uh, kind of waiting for the Great White Death to take over as uh, the snow is on its way. Depending on where you're at, what you're going to get. The cold's coming. We all know that. Packers heading down to Miami this weekend to play on Christmas Day. Hopefully, uh, giving Packers fans everywhere. The Christmas present they're hoping for. Bringing in now from SB Nation, our guy, Mark Schofield, joining us. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So let's first start out with uh, the, the Packers in getting the win the other night against the Rams. Uh, Aaron Rodgers says things are getting better. Um, you know, do you see it? I honestly do. You know, I, watching that game Monday night, studying that game this morning, particularly the passing game, and it seemed like things were starting to click. I think having Romeo Dobbs back was a nice aspect to that. You know, he had some catches early in that game, had some catches, you know, in the second half of that game as well. And you could see, you know, particularly on, I, there was a route early in the game where, you know, he breaks to the outside, then works his way back inside. That's a nice time in a chemistry route between quarterback and receiver. And my main takeaway, honestly, and this is something I've been thinking about since Monday night was, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, you see what this offense can be now. You see what this offense can be with Watson, with Romeo Dobbs, what this passing game could look like, how the run game could work and build in off of that. And, you know, I know that the Packers are still technically alive. They've still got a pathway to get into the playoffs. But even if they don't, I have to think that with the way this season has sort of wound down for Green Bay, Rodgers now has a couple of reasons to really want to come back because this passing game could be something – I'd say, you know, pretty special next year with these two young receivers and with Rodgers back in the fold. And so I do think it's getting better in the passing game. I do think this offense has started to click. It might be, you know, too little too late for this season, but I think next is looking pretty bright. <laughs> Excuse me. The rest of the division, uh, we know that uh, obviously the Minnesota Vikings have clinched. We know that <laughs> that the, the Lions have really come on strong. Give me your thoughts on the Lions, first and foremost, as they have gotten better as the season has gone on. Yeah, they have gotten better. I mean, I, I think a lot of it starts with Jared Goff, and he's not turning the ball over. You know, I was very curious, and we talked about this last week with that Jets game. You know, that was the kind of game where, you know, the Jets are kind of built to beat what Detroit was doing this year. The ability to get pressure with four. Sauce Gardner is such a talented young cornerback, and you saw that Lions offense, you know, struggle they weren't scoring to the rate you know, and didn't score in that game at the rate that they had been for most of the season particularly during this run of games where they cut themselves back into the playoff mix but the Lions found a way and in, in typical I think sort of Dan Campbell Detroit Lions of 2022 fashion that game would drive it starts with Brock Wright with a drop but they come right back to him on fourth and one who is the second read on that play where you've got Monrose Brown in the flat that's not there Goff does a really good job of getting back to right for the touchdown they're, they're a team that's coming together and playing their best football in December, which is what you really want. And, you know, looking ahead for the Detroit Lions, they've got themselves, like we said, they're back in the playoff mix. They get a Carolina team on the road that's a little bit frisky, you know, that defense particularly. But, you know, they get past that, you know, you get Chicago Week 17, Chicago certainly, you know, playing for next year. And then you get the Packers in Week 18 who might be eliminated by then. 
they could win all three of these games and really get in. I've been very impressed, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, particularly with Jared Goff and with Goff, especially against that defense last week, finding a way to win. Now, we know that the Lions are fighting for a spot. The Commanders are fighting for a spot. The Packers are fighting for a spot. We know all these teams are right there on the cusp. Who has uh, a legit shot? We know the Commanders, you know, it's a tough schedule. They could find themselves on the outside looking in. The Lions are trying to get in. The Packers, uh, all they got to do is win out and hope for a little bit of help. That seems likely. Who do you think are going to be the last few in when it comes to uh, when it comes to the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I look at Detroit and the way that they've come on down the stretch here. You know, they've found a sort of winning recipe on both sides of the ball, but particularly, in, you know, on that offensive side of the ball, like, like we talked about with, you know, how Jared Goff is playing, how they're not turning the ball over, how they're finding a way to get things done. You know, the commanders really sort of confused me because I thought looking at between them and the Giants that, you know, Washington had a nice favorable situation with, you know, three of their final four at home. You would think, oh, they're going to find a way to get this done. Now they lose to the Giants. They have to go cross-country to play San Francisco. Then the week after that, they get a Cleveland team that, you know, Watson seems to be settling into that offense. So I think, you know, the commanders are probably going to fade out of these teams. I think right now with the way things stand and the way way the teams are playing, I think the Lions are the team that gets in out of that group. You know, but the Packers, they still have a shot. I think the Commanders, like I said, it's surprising to me because I thought they were going to be a team that got in and the Giants would fall out. But it does look like the Commanders are going to end up sliding out of this because, you know, they couldn't get it done against New York. Now they've got, you know, these next two games, San Francisco and Cleveland, a trip to the West Coast, which is tough, and a Cleveland offense that seems to be figuring some things out with Watson. When you've got uh, the the top of this uh, the top of this conference, the Eagles right now they've got Jalen Hurts with a, uh, a bum shoulder. The Cowboys are fighting for a spot as well, and Dak Prescott continues to throw interceptions. We talked about the the Vikings a little bit. Who looks like the best team coming out of the NFC right now? I mean, it still looks like the Eagles, um, but you have to wonder about Hurts because before he went down, you know, we've talked about this, Bill. You know, complete team on both sides of the ball, right? They could run the ball like we saw against the Packers. They could throw it like we've seen the past couple of weeks against Tennessee, against the Giants. You know, but you wonder, and their center, Jason Kelsey, talked about this on his show, his podcast with his brother, you know, making the case for Hurts as the MVP, saying that everything that they do on offense starts with Jalen Hurts. It begins with what he can do, the threat he poses both as a runner and a thrower, if he's less than 100% when he comes back, that's going to sort of hurt their chances a little bit. Now, they're in a very unique situation. They just need either a win in the final three games or you know a loss from one of the other teams chasing them to lock up the top overall seed. You know, so they don't have to force Hurts back. They can take some time. But you know, thinking about this in terms of his time away from the field, if they shut him down now, and they don't play him until the divisional round. If they do lock up, like we expect, that top overall seed, that's what, four or five weeks of off-the-field rest and action? That's a lot of rust to kick off in a divisional round playoff game where things can change in a hurry. And so they are in a unique situation. Now, I wonder how they're going to handle it. Do they try to get him back for the Saints game? Do they play him in, say, week 18 against the Giants, just to kick some of that rust off? I don't know how they're going to handle it. I don't know how he's going to be when he comes back. I think they're the most complete team, but as opposed to, say, this time last week when we thought, oh, yeah, it's absolutely the Eagles, the Hurts injury is certainly something to watch. 
Uh, talk about San Francisco real quick. Brock Purdy, is this a guy capable? I mean, he certainly has injected energy and excitement into the San Francisco fan base, but is this a guy capable of really taking this team, not screwing it up and allowing the defense to do what they do, taking this team deep into the postseason? It looks like it right now, but the big question is going to be the next couple of weeks because we've seen this before, right? Quarterback comes in, don't have a ton of film on him, you know, at least from what he's done in the NFL field. He looks good at the start, but then defenses figure out, okay, well, now now we've taken the time to study him in this offense, you know, in this environment, in this setting. Here are the things we can do to sort of slow him down, eliminate what he does. And so we're going to see over the next couple of weeks if Brock Purdy, you know, if there really is some magic happened here or it was just a case of teams didn't know what to expect. And now that they've sort of seen some film from him for the next past couple of weeks, they can figure him out. But what we've seen the past two weeks makes me believe that this could continue. And again, it was the the same sort of argument that applied to Garoppolo before his injury applies here. The defense, the talent around the quarterback position, what Kyle Shanahan can do conceptually to play design and create it and then expose and, and take advantage of mismatches with McCaffrey, with Samuel when he comes back. All those arguments that applied to Garoppolo, they apply to Purdy as well. And like you said, he's, he's shown a little bit more flash of an ability to create a little bit off script to, you know, be a bit more explosive at times, dynamic outside the pocket than Garoppolo. And so if that holds, this run could continue. So to the AFC, uh, you know, because the AFC to me is just a little bit deeper, maybe Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati's playing extremely well. I think Baltimore, when they get Lamar Jackson, obviously going to be a problem. The, the Miami Dolphins are still what of a, somewhat of an enigma. Can Tua really be the guy when it comes to the postseason, yes or no? You still got New England battling, the Jets battling. You got a little more depth there. Jacksonville's coming on extremely strong right now. Talk about the AFC, because we still feel it's going to be Buffalo and Kansas City. But after winning now, what, six in a row, I think Cincinnati's one of those teams to be contended with. Tennessee can still run the ball in cold weather. Give me your thoughts there. Yeah, I, you know, we look at Buffalo, we look at Kansas City, and certainly you know, we expect them to be in the mix deep into the playoffs, division around maybe a, another AFC championship game like we saw from them two years ago. Obviously, they met up a division around last year in that game. But I look at the way Cincinnati has played in the past couple of weeks and what stands out, you know, beyond the things that, you know, we've all talked about figuring out too high, figuring out a run game on a shotgun. They're a, for a younger team, Burrow, Chase, even a younger head coach, they're a veteran team. They don't panic. They get down to Kansas city. They don't panic. They run their offense. They do what they do and they find a way to come back. They get down last week against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They don't panic. The offense looks the same in the second half as it did in the first. They just, they understand that, Hey, we don't have to worry here. We got down. That's okay. We've done it before. We can come back. That's an impressive aspect to a roster. You know, like we've sometimes seen a team that loses a Super Bowl, they go in the absolute other direction the following season. They seem like they're more locked in now than ever before. And I look at the Bengals and think, you know, yes, Mahomes and company, they're dangerous. Josh Allen and company, they're certainly dangerous. The Bengals are a team I don't want to face. You know, I think Miami had a nice game against Buffalo, and they showed that, you know, obviously the buildup to that game was the weather, how they're going to handle it. They seemed like they were able to handle that pretty well. And so maybe they can make a little bit of noise. You know, the Chargers seem to be coming on, but you mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, there's a path for them to win that division. There's a there's a world which we could live in in a couple of weeks where their game against Tennessee in Week 18 gets flexed to Sunday night because the division is on the line. 
and they find a way to get in. They seem to be coming on. Trevor Lawrence seems to be putting it together, living up to some of the pre-draft hype around him. Jacksonville's a team that I think something's happening down there, and it wouldn't surprise me to see that Week 18 game between them and the Titans before the division and before that final playoff spot. Yeah, Doug Peterson has done a world of wonder after what uh, the tragedy oh, was last year that Urban absolutely. Meyer just completely ripped that team up. So we give him all the credit in the world. Uh, real quick before I let you go, and, and we go back to the Green Bay Packers now, Packers offensively seem to be getting things together. It looks like Rodgers is getting a little more comfortable. The thumb is healed up. The ribs are feeling good. Do they have – Is because I still believe this defense is better than what we saw for the majority of the season on paper. Do we have, does this team have the ability to be better, to be more aggressive, to be, because we didn't see a lot of missed tackles and such the other night, but they've got, and it's not, it used to be where you could just say Detroit at the end of the season, ah, that's a win. You can't say that anymore because those two teams could still be fighting to get into the postseason. Three tough games. If the Packers could win the next three games, Miami, Minnesota, and Detroit, they would be then, in my opinion, one. not only are they beating good teams, but one of the hottest teams going into the postseason at that time with five straight wins to get there, you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think you're right. The talent is there on paper on the defensive side of the ball for this defense to be better than what we've seen. And this was, if you think back to August, that was the argument, right? Well, the offense might take some time to come together, but the defense is going to be good. You know, the defense is going to give them some short fields, some opportunities for some quick scoring drives. Maybe it's coming together here at the end of the season, what we thought we were going to see from the Packers, because now that passing game is clicking. And maybe that defense is starting to piece it all together. You know, it could be just enough to get them in. Because like you said, if they win out, they're going to beat some good teams along the way. And they might become sort of this year's version of the Niners last year, which was that proverbial team you don't want to face. Good stuff as always, my friend, Mark. Uh, Have a great Christmas, and then we'll talk again next week, okay? You too, Bill. Have a fantastic Christmas to you, to yours, and to all the listeners. Thanks so much. We'll talk next week. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. Mark Schofield of SB Nation joining us for a couple of minutes. At Mark Schofield over on uh, over on Twitter, you can find his stuff there. Good stuff. And he's right. I mean, uh, you know, start, you start to look at some of the question marks coming down the stretch. You know, obviously the Eagles, you would assume, are going to pretty much wrap up everything, and they should be the top team going in with or without Jalen Hurts playing over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, Ben, how confident are you that they pull off a victory against the Cowboys if Hurts does not play? Weirdly confident. Uh, I I just have one of those feelings about that game where everybody is going to discount them, the line's going to be seven points, and then Garner Minshew could come in and play fine, but I think their team is good enough to withstand it. But if they do or if they don't, I don't think it matters because then they play the Saints, who stink, and then they play Mm -hmm. the Giants. I don't think the Giants game at the end of the year is for anything. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning in that direction myself. Uh, But I I agree with you. I think right now it's more about uh, not even the Eagles playing their best. I think it's more about... Dak Prescott, he is stuck in a funk, and for whatever reason, turnovers have become prevalent for him. And I said, I've said all along. First of all, I don't think Dak Prescott, and people rip me for this, but I, I said I never thought Dak Prescott was going to be uh, great. I always thought he would be Dak Prescott, which he's good. He's going to win you some games. He's also going to throw the ball away and lose you some games. And I just, I, we keep waiting for Dak to be better, and he's not. That's the thing. Dak isn't isn't better he's just Dak and I I don't see Dak even with the tutelage of Mike McCarthy in the quarterback school I don't see Dak getting better 
He's just Dak. He's he's going to play well. He's above average, and then he's going to turn the ball over, and he's going to make bad reads, bad decisions, and it is what it is. They're also uh, let's do, very right. injured, which is yes. a big part of it. Jason Peters is starting. That tells you oh, enough. Boy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see here. Um, the, the Packers get a win on Sunday or on Monday night. And when you talk about things that came out of that game, one thing that I think Aaron Rodgers stated on uh, Pat McAfee, and I just reiterated it to Mark Schofield, was when he was talking about how he thinks, think, thinks things are getting better and the energy is different and guys are buying in. And, you know, he just started talking about the locker room and how things are, are kind of going. And, and it, you always wait for that moment in a season. When do things get better? Was it the fourth quarter of the Bears game? That suddenly when this team showed some fight and the defense showed some fight and the tenacity level went up a little bit and they believed they could win and a couple of passes downfield to Christian Watson. And when Watson's not there, now you got Romeo Dobbs back and he's crossing over the middle and picking up first downs and the run game and the one-two punch, which, by the way, uh, you know, we mentioned yesterday that Dylan has been cleared to play in this upcoming game. And I said it didn't look like one of those concussions where he was wobbly or anything like that. He jogged off the field. But you just have to pass a certain baseline and – he, he passed it yesterday, so that was good news. Do you think this is sustainable? Is this sustainable? Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. This portion of the program brought to you by Bud Light. Don't forget tonight, DJ's Goalpost out in Menominee Falls is going to be on Appleton Avenue. Come on out, be there this evening. Great sports bar, but tonight we've got the Bill Michael Subtle going to be on the road. DJ's Goalpost. In Menominee Falls, coming up a little bit later on tonight. And again, it's all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Done, stopped in a quick trip, uh, getting ready for uh, the weather, and obviously for tonight's huddle, stopped in a quick trip, picked up some gas, used that quick rewards card, of course, and uh, I got the, because uh, I, I the deal's still going, I had to grab a, a five-hour, or not a five-hour energy, a Red Bull, and a uh, breakfast sandwich, and I was still getting uh, some change off of my gasoline, so always go in there and use it they have deals all the time whether it's a deal at the uh, actual register or uh, a pay you at the pump type of deal a lot of things going on a quick trip and don't forget they have quickmas going on still all the way through the holiday so uh, don't forget about the 25 days of quickmas uh, you too can be winning some prizes there uh, from our friends at quick they always have something great going on our friends at quick Trip, just so fantastic i love that place for so many so many different reasons Thanks to our friends at QuickTrip for being a part of the program. 877-867-1670. Let's get to it. Our buddy Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Bill. I'd like to comment on the baseball thing first. Sure. Um, look, since the year 2010, after the 2010, since last the Yankees won, the Yankees have spent two over, over $2.8 billion on free agents. Not their own. Resign their mm-hmm. own. On that, they haven't won since 2010. Mm-hmm. The Mets' luxury tax is $111 million this year. That's more than 10 or 11 teams. The Dodgers, the last time they won was the COVID year, which was a farce, okay? So the owner's argument would be back to you, would be tell me when this huge payroll team has won it consistently. 
So that's their argument. And as mm-hmm. long as they have that argument, you can't win. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because, look, look, the Cardinals, my team, they're the fourth richest owners in baseball. They're DeWitts. They can spend. But they 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 may they rather do it through trades. They very rarely sign a free agent. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. You know, Contreras was an outline. They needed a catcher the whole bit. So they develop. They have a good minor league system. They're gonna have some outstanding players coming up this year. Okay, but right. like I said, the Brewers, the Brewers can't do that. And I hate to say it, but a lot of these teams don't want to do it. But you see, the whole thing is, as my argument flows, Bill, you can't, if you owned a a fast food restaurant, Bill, you wouldn't pay people $25 an hour, would you? If you, you know what I mean? Your profit margin. Right, right, right. If you're in your business, it's easy to say for us that the owners are this, the owners are that, blah, blah, blah. But if you're in the business, Bill, uh, you know, how many people would be, you know, uh, giving away the money? You know what I'm saying? There's one mm-hmm. Cohen who was a Mets fan his whole life, and he's a billion, multi-billionaire, and he throws it away like thousands of dollars, not just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, so you got to look at it both ways, Bill. You can't just look at it and say, well, you see these owners, and they're, they're complaining about this. Look, look, if I'm an owner, I'm looking at the payroll too, Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if I have, you know, throwaway money like Cohen and some of these guys, it's different for them. You know, I look at it, though, in the sense and you're right when you talk about the amount of wins. But I look at it in the sense of let's be honest about who's actually in play this year going into the season. We know the Yankees are. We know the Mets are. Uh, most likely the Reds are not. The Brewers are fighting just to, to be survivors at this point. You would assume the Cardinals will be. The Pittsburgh Pirates are not. We know that right away. San Diego uh, will be. The Dodgers will be. The Giants are going to be hanging in there, but the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are not. The Rangers are not. The Mariners, maybe. The Oakland A's are not. That's what I'm saying. We can look at this and already determine 10, 15, 20 teams that we know aren't even going to come close to the postseason. And that's my argument. If you had a shot as a Brewer fan or as an A's fan or as a Rockies fan to say, we can go out and get this guy. We can go out and appreciate the phone calls always, Gerard. We can spend that money on a Correa and maybe one other guy that can bolster our lineup and maybe make it more even for everybody. Suddenly we're in the conversation with the Yankees. We're in the conversation with the, you know, take, say, the Red Sox or, or the Dodgers or what have you. I mean, you can, get into the, you can get into that conversation. Right now we know there's teams that aren't even in the conversation. They're not even close. And why? It's because of money. So I agree with you. While they haven't won it, they have been pretty sustainable where others have to, you get up there, you look at the mountaintop, and then you got to go back down. You get up there, you look at the mountaintop, and then you got to go back down. And you're not winning it. The Yankees, they're always looking at the mountaintop. They're always right there. The Mets are you know, usually trying to be right there. The Dodgers are usually right there. All those teams are always right there. They're always, they always have that at the beginning of the season. What I'm saying is, is what's innately wrong is when you start out a season and you know your team isn't going anywhere. You know it. You're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, but usually by July you're finding other things to do. You know it. That's what's wrong with baseball. That's my point, which I completely agree with you. The, the Dodgers haven't, or the Yankees haven't won it, but they're there.
877-867-1670. We'll step out. James, Eric, hang in there. We're going to get to you. The Green Bay Packers get a win on Monday night, and Rodgers said he feels like things are changing. They're getting better. Do you agree? Is it sustainable? Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good food, beverages, gaming back. There you go. That's our friends at Stenny, second of National Walker's Pointer. Maybe just uh, you're looking for uh, one of the best sports bars in the city, in the state of Wisconsin, really in the city of Milwaukee for sure. Uh, that is Stenny, second of National Walker's Point. They run shuttles to the uh, Marquette games. Marquette, boy, loser in double overtime last night. Tough one for them. Man, they've had a pretty good season thus far, though, but uh, got beat by Providence. Uh, but if you're going to go to Marquette games, UW-Milwaukee uh, 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 games, Admirals games, Bucks games, you name it, they do it. That's our friends from Stenny, second and national in Walker's Point. Uh, let's get back to it. Let's go to James listening to us in Green Bay. James, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, good morning. Uh, I just want to comment, make a couple comments on a few things. Number one, I think the fate of Joe Barry probably lies within the next three games here. Uh, you know, if the Packers play well, the defense plays pretty well. Let's say they run the table. Maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they don't. He probably doesn't get fired, in my guess. Or, you know, if Miami comes out and really blitzes them because they have great speed at the wide receiver position and I'm a little leery of the Packers' defense, you know, he might feel his fate if he has a bad performance in that game. Defensively, he might end up getting fired by the end of the year. So I don't think his fate is sealed yet. Uh, your, your comment on the quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, and honestly, I can list quite a few quarterbacks that I have no faith in, to me, that is ever going to lead a team to the Super Bowl. You know, Prescott's one of them. Kyler Murray's another one. If I'm the Baltimore Ravens, there's no way I'm paying Lamar Jackson all that money to be their quarterback. He's always hurt every year. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is another one. He's gonna he's hurt now, but he's another one that's going to get hurt because they run way too much. Personally, I'd rather have a quarterback that has good athleticism like Trevor Lawrence who can make plays with his feet and impromptu stuff, but the offense isn't based around him running. And my other comment about Trevor is, why isn't he getting any love for MVP race? They're one game out of the playoff spot, and if right. the Jags run the table, they're in the playoffs. Uh, you know what? I, I bet you this is going to be one of those years where he gets some discussion and they look at his numbers. He's starting to play better. And then next year he becomes a guy that gets into that race. I, I, I just think right now there's more Jalen Hurts and look at what he's done and how he's excelled. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a guy that's played extremely well. Um, you know, there's a there's maybe a couple of the guys you can mention into it. I know they've talked about Joe Burrow turning the season around and such. But I agree with you. Trevor Lawrence has had a hell of a season this year. Yeah, and I think he's a guy that is definitely going to lead the Jags with Doug Peterson there to a Super Bowl because of the fact that he plays and makes his plays from the pocket. And sure, they can still get hurt in the pocket. I understand that, but the chance, but they're way protected in the pocket. The chances of a player like Hertz or Justin Fields or even Josh Allen from the Bills, who are continually running quarterback sweeps and all that kind of stuff, their chances to me are much greater that they're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. I've always said those running quarterbacks, I appreciate the phone call. Running quarterbacks are a great thing to have because it's a, it's a weapon that you just, it's very difficult to plan for. 
Uh, they don't necessarily have a ton of designed runs, but they have the athleticism to tuck it and take off. You always have to account for them. You have to spy them. But then again, the downside is at some point they're going to run and they're not running backs. They're not, they don't prepare that way. They don't lift that way. They don't train their bodies that way. They're not running backs. They're quarterbacks. And like every running quarterback, eventually you're going to get hurt. Jalen Hurts is hurt. Lamar Jackson is hurt. You get running quarterbacks. Eventually they get hurt. Justin uh, Justin Fields, same thing. The quarterbacks that are unbelievably athletic, that love to take off and run and can get it done with their feet, and they're such an asset, it's true because we talk about their, quote, athleticism all the time. But they all get hurt. And, and there are times where they get hurt, and they, the sustainability of that, it's just not there. Hopefully they become as time goes on, a more seasoned and better pocket passer, and they don't rely on the legs other than just to scramble out of the way of harm's way rather than to actually be the asset of getting downfield and taking off. So it's it, because we've seen it just forever. Go all the way back to the days of Randall Cunningham. Same thing, get his knees taken out from underneath him. Go back to when Colin Kaepernick was in his heyday, and finally after the year of running all over everybody, they said, okay, hit this guy. And they hit him, and he was pretty much done. It is what it is. 877-867-1670. Let's go to Eric, also listening to us in Green Bay. Eric, how you doing, man? What's up? I'm doing good, Bill. How about yourself? Doing great. What you thinking? Uh, you and uh, your partner, Ben, there are having a great show. Um, I, I appreciate it. it. Hey, I'm going to comment on – I'm going to have an an, I have an answer for your Packers question, and then I wanted to comment on the baseball conversation also. Uh, real quickly, the, your Packers question, is this sustainable? I believe it is. They, they can't. They can't have any more injuries for the rest of the year, especially with their rookies. But if they stay healthy, their rookies are really starting to figure some things out, and they're starting to play good ball. And I think oddly, injuries have helped Watson Dobbs because the when they were injured was earlier in the year when the other one wasn't injured. So they've each had a chance to figure out what their role is without interference from the other one. And they won't hit a rookie wall this year after playing. They won't play as many games as they did in college until the end of the season. So I think, I think yes, it is sustainable. Now, the baseball conversation, I love this. I love this. Okay, because I grew up an A's fan. I'm an A's fan still. So mm-hmm. I have had a team that spent money. And I have had a team that suffers money ball, which is just, it sucks. Money ball sucks. Billy Bean has to be the most frustrated cat in baseball. All right, when, when Charlie Finley brought the A's to, the, to Oakland in 66, he spent a bunch of money, and that 70s A's team was one of the best teams baseball has ever seen. And then he had a bicentennial fire sale, and we got to watch all of our heroes finish playing in neither pinstripes or, oddly enough, the Brewers, because you got, uh, you got Sal Bando and Raleigh Fingers. And uh, so it's not necessarily, yes, the other team that gets the player Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. But the team that loses all the players, they eat dung for a decade. It's devastating to that fan base. Mm-hmm. So 10 years, right. the A's absolutely sucked. And then the Haas family bought the team. Haas family had money. That's Levi Strauss. And here we have the, the uh, Roy Rage bunch from the 80s that could have fielded a better defensive unit than many football teams. You know, and, uh, you know, went to – so the, the, they had the Finley squad went to five straight series and won the three in the center. The uh, Haas family squad went to three straight World Series, won the one in the center. But we've also had Moneyball, 
which it just this is all network garbage, okay? Because you can't tell me that Oakland, California is a small market when San Francisco Giants aren't a small market. It's the same market. How could it be small? Well, TV, whatever. And I wish they would stop trying. This is what drives me crazy, Bill. Stop trying to fix the game for the networks so that your casual viewer that doesn't care will watch it. It's just driving me nuts, all these stupid little league rules. Putting a runner on second base in extra right. innings, give me a break. To a pitch count, a, a time, a pitch timer for the pitchers. Oh, yes, let's take away the pitcher's ability to control the tempo of the game. By all means, yeah, ruin the game. for Because you know who it doesn't bother when there's a 1-1 game against two aces? The two fan bases from which those teams are. That's who's right. not bothering. You know, right. so yes, parity would be better if that is the problem. More fans need to believe that their team has a shot. You know, instead of being the the, uh, the uh, uh, farm system for the for the big money teams, I have felt both. But stop trying to quote fit end quote the game when you're doing nothing but jacking it all up. It's just mm-hmm. these these most recent things are really ticking me off, Bill. They're they're ruining the game for who for who. You know, it's driving me crazy. Thanks for right. taking my call, man. Have a great week. Nope, I, I completely get it, man. Appreciate it. He drops off. You get on board, 877-867-1670. Again, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Some good stuff. Uh, I, I'm completely in agreement with you. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come right back to the phone calls. Got a lot of people on hold. I promise I'll get to you. Mike and Rockford, you're going to be first out of the shoot. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers have practice today installing the game plan for their trip to face the Dolphins. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins is now back with the Baltimore Ravens after he was waived by the Packers on Monday. After reviewing the game film, Packers safety Adrian Amos says the key to holding the Rams is just 156 yards total offense was Green Bay's defensive line and the linebackers. I think I think um, our front did, did a great job. They had a great game. Like, um, our front side. They, they, they controlled it. They weren't able to, to run the ball. You know, a couple of plays here and there, but um, you know, when the, you know, when the front, you know, do that job and, and, and dominate up there, then you know, it makes the game, you know, a lot more fun for the back end. Packers head coach Matt Lafleur. You know, LA has had a, a rash of injuries up front, so it was a favorable matchup, I would say, for our guys and. And that's what you got to do. You you got to win when you're expected to win. And I thought for the most part, our guys were able to do that. Rasul Douglas intercepted a Baker Mayfield pass. And instead of just running with it, he says he decided to lateral it to Adrian Amos, who nearly fumbled it. When he grabbed me and I kind of twisted me, I seen Smash and Rudy. So I was like, all right, if I could just grip the ball and throw it to the, one of them. To Smash and Rudy? No. <laughs> that, that's that's why I messed up. That was, that was my first mistake. You know what I'm saying? That was my first mistake right there. And then when I went to, like, go throw it, it slipped. But I was already in the process, so as I was going down, I just underhand, and then I, I seen it hit the ground. I was like, damn. It's about to be like the Raiders and the Pages. That's Packers defensive back Rasul Douglas in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show.
to have you back. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Let's get back to the phone calls talking about the Packers sustainability. Can what we saw on Monday night get better? And uh, can they sustain going all the way through the remainder of the schedule and possibly even into the postseason? Let's go to Mike listening to us in Rockford. Mike, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Um, listen, doing I don't well. want to be negative. Uh, and I and and what they you just played uh, you know some snippets there from the locker room after the Packers win and what you know the coach said about they had some injuries up front. I, I was watching a game um, on Monday night and the announcer said that there was one offensive line lineman, one lineman from last year's championship team. Uh, they, the rest of them are all pads. They had tons of injuries, and I'm not taking anything away from the Packers. Listen, I'm a Packers fan, true and true. I, I but I just. I want to be realistic here. The Packers are, have a two-game winning streak, which is wonderful. But look at who they played. They have a, com- a combined 7-21 and 21 record between the Bears and the Rams. And they're both pathetic teams. And But it's true. The Packers took care of business. They beat the teams they had to beat. And now the true test is going to come on Christmas Day. I am concerned. I, I, I think if the Packers come with their A game, anything can happen, as they say on any given Sunday, Bill. But... I think we got to be realistic rather than get too excited. I mean, yeah, they're they're still in this. They're staying alive. They're they're just keeping. They're treading water, um, and they have to have some things still go their way with these other teams falling out in a certain ways. But uh, you know, I want to I want to ask you a question, Bill, and because I uh, heard this and it, and it blew my mind away. If the Packers lose, and maybe you know the exact scenario that has to happen, because I sure don't. If the Packers lose Sunday. They're mm-hmm. still mathematically alive. How in the world can they still win if they have they they would have they would be what would they would they be uh, eight and nine? Um, uh, wait, yeah. they would be. I'm sorry. Yeah, wait a minute. No, yeah, if they would be. They if the Packers lose on on Sunday, they would be six and nine. And then they win the last two games. They would be eight. They would even if they win out, they'd be eight and nine. Eight and nine. I can't even. How could that still get them in there? Because I know, even like the the Lions, who are right there with the Packers, they're a game up, game and a half actually, because they win the head to head battle earlier, and they would come to that last game. Do you under Do you understand the scenario? Mm-hmm. And could you- yeah, no, I I I would not know how they would still be alive. I haven't even looked that far, and I it, at that point in time, to be honest, I would assume that if they lose, but say the Giants win. Or you know what have you? I mean, if the Giants get a win, say on 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 set this weekend, then the Giants would be nine wins. They would still be alive. If the Commanders would get a win, then they would still be alive. And probably now the Commanders would have to lose out. Seattle would have to lose out. The Packers would lose, and then still I, I don't know how it would end up tied with the Lions or something to that effect. I, but it, I, I'm trying to figure this out. I. It would be like 0.02%. Right. They would need it's those like, teams to lose every single game, a lot correct. of other things to happen. It's It would yeah. not be possible. I just, um, it would not only be that they, the other teams ahead of them all lose, but it would also be that then other teams in the conference or something to that effect would also need to lose to give the Packers a better win percentage conference-wise or something like that. It's like if they lose, their season's over, for lack of a better term. If they lose, their season's over. I, I Yeah, not they're not mathematically eliminated, but they, they're now down to percentage points. 
Yeah, there's some strength of record, strength of schedule stuff that's just way too hard to grasp. Yeah, it just gets really weird. But I, I, (laughs) if the Packers lose, their season's done. There's no way they're getting into the postseason. None. I would say none. Uh, Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven. Let's go to Terry, listening to us right here in Wisconsin as well. Terry, how you doing today, man? What's going on? I'm doing great, Bill. How are you? Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to have a comment and then a question. I'm watching the game Monday night, and from the very first drive, the offense comes out, and they're taking the routes that are open. They're taking the under routes, and Rodgers is looking sharp. He's hitting the open receivers. I forget how many different guys touch the ball in the first couple of drives, but, uh, you know, they looked sharp, and I'm just sitting there going, you know, where's this been all year? So my question to you, and they, they moved the ball great the whole game. My question is, was it just that the Rams' defense is that bad, or was it the too high they were playing the whole game, or have the Packers kind of, you know, had a little come to Jesus, and they've decided to, uh, you know, to run the offense that they're capable of running? I, I think, first of all, what they con- the, the Rams concentrated on was not allowing Christian Watson to get over the top. So they made sure to shut him down in the deep ball. But then the Packers took advantage of what was underneath, and they just worked it that way, which is what you're supposed to do. That was great. Uh, But I think more so than anything is the fact that the the defense had five sacks. uh, I think it was 10 or 11 pressures in that ball game. I also think that the special teams were pretty good. Field position was pretty good. And that the missed tackles were at a minimum. So it was like they played probably one of their more complete games of the season. But you also then have a very uh, guarded view because it was against a team that didn't have their quarterback. They're just really bad, and they're incredibly banged up. So they could have scored 30. If they don't turn the ball over, Rodgers doesn't have the bad errant pass. They could have scored, say, 37 in that game and just blew them out. But I still am a little bit guarded. They still have to clean things up before they would be considered, in my opinion, a, a much, much better team. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree, and I and I think I know the defense was banged up for the Rams too. So I'll take it with a grain of salt. But I also thought the mix between the run and the pass was the best it's been all year, and uh, the the O line looked good. And maybe that's because it was all working because they had that under route thing going. But uh, it was really great to see. I think if they keep that up, I think they got a shot at running the table. No, I, I would, too. I would say if this continues to get better and they accent, appreciate the phone call and they accentuate it and they continue to run the way they're running. I really like the fact that they mixed it up with some play action. Aaron Rodgers, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. When he sells it, he sells it better than anybody. And he gets he gets that misdirection going. You know, I mean, he gets defenses to bite and buys himself that extra second. And there's so much good that comes from that play action and being under center and and getting guys moving downhill. And the offensive line has been playing better over the last few weeks as well. So, And and if you look at the numbers running the football, what the Packers have been able to do versus, you know, just stepping back and sitting in shotgun and throwing it all over the damn place consistently, it's been so much better. And and I don't necessarily say that it's been a come-to-Jesus meeting, but I would also effort to say that the results have been better 
the movement of the ball has been better. The offense has been better. The time of possession has been better. I just think there's so much more there. And then you go back to special teams and Keyshawn Nixon being able to give them really good field position and excitement. I think that's been better, too. So, so many different things have been better. You just hope that it's not too little too late when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. We got two more hours yet to go. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 